0: Cryptic communique, the mysterious photos, the questions about the future. We're going to get into all of it. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Spain and Fitz is presented by Progressive Insurance. And all anyone can talk about today is the NFL MVP, the drama, the intrigue. The vague book postings on Instagram. And I'm going to let Ryan Clark sum up how a lot of people feel about it. Here's what he said on GetUp.
1: I think Aaron Rodgers understands this now. I think he understands that he finds himself intelligent. He finds himself very engaging. And you know why he finds himself engaging? Because every time he does something, we dummies engage. And this is just another time that we're doing that because we know that there's uncertainty in his future, or at least he's made us believe that there's uncertainty in his future. He knows if he does something like this, it's going to be talked about. Dude is not stupid at all. He's also now become somewhat of a media darling, whether it's because you love him or you hate to hear him. We all listen.
0: Fitz, we will not be sheep. (laughs) We will rise up against the pull of a man who knows how to draw the headlines from People magazine to ESPN. And we will push back for one segment. (laughs) Just just the one.
2: And we will start somewhere
0: else defiantly, defiantly for one segment. Let's talk about the ladies. Hit it, Chris. That's right. That's the news of the day. That's the big story. Nothing vague about a $24 million settlement. Woo! That's real money. That's a real push for the future. That is decisive. Nothing vague about the U.S. women's national team's six-plus-year-long fight with their own federation on an equal pay lawsuit the f- finally coming to an end today. The deal promises players $24 million plus bonuses that match those of the men. The players are going to split $22 million, uh, about a third of what they saw in damages. So not everything, but still considered a massive win uh and we will get into how they split that up that's a that's a question we're going to ask our our guest becca rue later uh also there will be a two million dollar fund uh the u.s soccer federation agreed to with post career support and charitable efforts uh to be paid out of that fitz megan rapino a friend of the show was on gma today to talk about this day
3: it's a really amazing day i think we're going to look back on this day and say this is the moment that you know u.s soccer changed
0: for the better i mean obviously we can't go back and undo the injustices that we face, but the only justice coming out of this is that we know that something like this is never going to happen again and we can move forward and making soccer the best, uh, the best sport that we possibly can in this country and setting up the next generation uh, so much better than we ever had it. So it's a, it's a great day, we're all super proud and just really excited to have arrived here after
3: a, a very long <laughs> and, and yes. arduous road.
0: Fits. They've been fighting their own federation while simultaneously winning World Cups and Olympics. And now that little part of it is over, but lots of work left to be done. Still a huge day, though.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, this is the most significant day in my mind for any of these women and what they've been involved with. Far more significant than anything they've done uh, on the pitch, far more significant than anything that's been accomplished with the medals that they wear, the championships they've won, because they fought for the future. And that's such an incredible reminder. You know, you mentioned the success that they've had. And all I can say to that is it wasn't enough. Like, the the amount of success that they've had wasn't enough for them to earn uh, equality, which is the dumbest thing in the world to me. They had to fight legally to get it. And to think for all of their accomplishments as individuals, as teammates, and as soccer players, really what will define their entire generation is that they fought for the next generation. Mm -hmm. They have literally changed the lives of future women that want to play professional soccer. That is such incredible Power and for everybody to put the group and the future in front of their own individual needs is something that we rarely see in any sport. We rarely see somebody willing to lay it all on the line to sue whoever it takes to change the working situations. That's what they've done, and it's worth praising in this moment far more than anything that they've done when it comes to their actual athletic achievements.
0: Fitz, we see it on the individual level. What you just said made me think of Colin Kaepernick. made me think Mm. of Brian Flores, right? What we don't see usually is a unified effort, and that's what we do often see in women's sports. You remember the U.S. women's uh, hockey team, who a couple years ago had to boycott the U.S. championships on U.S. soil, the world championships, uh, in order to move the Hockey Federation, and they had it down to calling every high school player in the country to say if you get the call – to put on the U.S. sweater and play in the world championships, do not cross that line. Do not do that uh, for the moment, forsaking the future. And it worked. And that's the same thing with this U.S. soccer team, was the concerted effort from a large group of them. We're going to talk to Becca Rue later in the show and get a lot of the details here. She's the executive director for the U.S. Women's National uh, Team Players Association has been working on this specific deal for years. But I want to remind people that this is far more complicated than merely saying the women are better. The women get better ratings. The women win more tournaments. That is absolutely a part of it. But also it's about that what the federation's stated goal is of, of growing the game for boys and girls, women and men. The fact that it is a non-profit federation and not a for-profit league, this is not something you would compare to, say, the WNBA and the NBA. You can fight for better pay and more equality for WNBA players, but that is a for-profit league. We're talking about a federation here. And I want to also remind people, Fitz, of some of the... Just absolutely ridiculous indignities from former President Carlos Cordero, who by the way could not pronounce Rapino's name at their ticker tape parade in downtown New York City. I mean, the, the the gall of someone to oversee the US Soccer Federation and not know how to pronounce the the, the Ballon d'Or winner's name. If you remember that, this is also the man who oversaw a lawsuit that claimed that the women were deserving of less money because a man men's player carries more responsibility because of certain physical attributes like their lung capacity and skeletal structure. Just the indisputable science that men are made differently means they deserve more money was their actual argument. And it was so insulting and oppressive and antiquated that he immediately had to step down. The problem is, he is now running for president again, <laughs> which tells even, you that the fight will go on.
4: And the crazy thing is that this fight has to continue. You know, that there there should be a point where and this is where, you know, we always talk about on this show, you know, trying to to reach better levels of equality and trying to be better allies. And, and I will credit the men's union uh, that did step out and speak loudly in support of the women getting more and, uh, and spoke loudly that they believed that that was deserved. But at some point, like, why is it such a fight? For people to get the treatment they deserve, I, I just don't understand why, as a general sport, you aren't looking at it and saying, how can we give all of our athletes the best they possibly can get because of what they give to the sport that they play? We and, and I don't care whether well, that's a soccer I, conversation or a baseball one, like well, across the board. Well, here's that the problem the too, Fitz
0: is is that it's not even about doing the right thing. There is so much baked in misogyny that decision making is actually against the best interests of the people involved. Whether that's U.S. Soccer Federation, whether that's FIFA, they are. Billions to be made from from advancing the women's game and they are deliberately leaving those dollars on the table. It's the same argument we heard around the NCAA where they have undervalued the women's NCAA tournament by 60 million dollars a year for years. Why are we leaving that money on the table when we know that everything is driven by greed? Because the power of misogyny is even stronger. Because the deeply held beliefs of those in charge that women are not valuable is so strong that they manage to blind themselves to the potential revenue. And that tells you just how deeply baked in it is if they're choosing that over money.
4: Yeah, here I was thinking money ruled everything, and apparently keeping women in their place rules everything to some people. Yes, yes. That's that's just, just saying that, like just just feels gross. I'm sorry. Like I, I, It
0: is gross. You're and, right, though. As Becky Sauerbrunn has said that the men's national team has worked with the U.S. women's team during CBA negotiations. They've been in on multiple sessions. They've cooperated. They've traded proposals. And the fact that that CBA that they intend to finish coming up will be with both in mind and, and a joint one, I think, will strengthen everything Um but yeah, man, I mean, this is a huge day, but the fight does not end when Carlos Cordero is throwing his hat back in the ring. And you have to hope the sponsors that pulled out when he was insulting last time around are ready to show up again this time if he tries to get that that bid. Spain and Fitz is presented by Progressive Insurance. You could say big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. We'll get back to the women and their victorious day. But I guess we got to give Aaron Rodgers a little bit of attention. He so desperately wants it. Hear why he's super grateful. Next, Spain and Fitz. It's Spain and Fitz. We're going to be rocking awesome Lady Power songs all night. We're pumped about the settlement for the U.S. Women's National Team. Again, we'll get into some of the details of that a little bit more. But this is uh, six-plus years in the making. This is huge. It's Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, He posted some. Well, we don't have to, but um, he did provide us with content, so I guess thank you.
1: Um,
0: The cryptic Instagram post about gratitude, showing love. For Shailene Woodley, who we're now starting to believe maybe he hasn't broken up with. We're not sure. All the sources uh, talking to people and Us Weekly and such may be wrong. His uh, post did not appear to be about the past, nor did his comments today on the Pat McAfee show. Uh, But he started with the quote, gratitude is the wine for the soul. Go on, get drunk. By Rumi, and then a series of posts thanking Shailene, thanking uh, people from his his world that have helped him, the QB room, the whatever the Friday crew is, teammates, and. Uh, at the end said to everyone else spread love and gratitude you beautiful people and read a book once in a while too while you're at it love and peace hey yeah everyone you know what educate yourself like aaron rogers so that you can spread as much misinformation as possible <laughs> read a book while you're at it uh here's what he said to pat mcafee today about the reasoning behind his cryptic social post which might surprise you
2: unless you've gone through certain experiences um and had you know uh frustration and 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 bend near the bottom and then get near the top and understand the uh, the beauty in life and uh i think that's then you might say things about that that's a cryptic message i mean there's nothing cryptic about gratitude so when i come out my first thought is just intense gratitude for the people in my life and that's not every person in my life that i mentioned and, and there's other people to to highlight in the credit but that was just w- where i was at i was going through some old pictures from the last year and felt an intense amount of gratitude uh for the life that i have and for the lessons that i've learned and the growth that's happened over the last year and the people who've been a part of that uh, that journey and
0: fits when he says when i got out this is what he's talking about when pat mcafee asks him about his future he mentions a cleanse
2: yeah let me just put this disclaimer out right away for the few people watching that are tuning just For a specific, uh, maybe news or decision, there will be no news today, no vision on, on my future. Uh, as I was texting with you yesterday, I just got out of a 12 day Pancha Karma. Uh, look that up. Uh, I know you did after we talked, uh, but it's a cleanse that you know originated in India, it's been going on for thousands of years, and it's something I've done in the off season, so I'm just getting my head above above the sand now and uh seeing what's going on out there but um but no decision about my future today
4: Hmm. i mean i have so many issues with everything that was just said (laughs) let's start with the fact that he's condescending about the fact that people were reading into it and then says unless you've been at the top or the bottom basically implying that in some level unless you've had his life experience i would argue that essentially most people in life have had peaks and valleys, right? Like most people have had ups and downs and through that comes gratitude. In fact, I am one that oftentimes will go to social media and just put out gratitude to where I am and what I'm going through in that moment in life and, and even I and I'm not particularly bright but like I'm smart enough to couch that quickly with a hey just thinking about how lucky I am in life and I wanted to say this right like of you course, can couch we things we all know
0: you have to do that otherwise people are going to read into it yeah.
4: yeah and then the way he comes in with this sort of like for everybody that's reading into it and I don't know how you can read into it it's like <laughs> really you can't be that you can't ask me to buy that you're this smart and then also that you're that stupid all in one sentence like that's impossible for me it's way.
0: yeah I agreed uh his his point being uh why would you ever read into that and then also um while simultaneously posting you know clearly the most cryptic things to get us all talking he likes it when we're talking about him and that's what we're doing but but I will say uh the cleanse uh, that that we have been given details apparently someone did google it as he suggested I don't know if they also read a book every once in a while too but the person who googled it uh is uh, under the Twitter name MN researcher um, and uh, looked up at, at Vita underscore Daniel looked up the panchakarma karma cleanse and Fitz, I want to ask if you'd be willing to do this for the show, just to give mm. us a firsthand okay. account of whether you do emerge uh, grateful. I would think you'd emerge grateful to eat solid food and not for the people in your life, but maybe there's a bit of both. Uh, number one, you do three days of ghee therapy where you consume ghee until you evacuate at both ends.
4: And ghee is like uh, a butter, right? Like so I, I feel like It I... is
0: yeah, it's very common in uh, vegan cooking. It's like a classified butter. Okay. Um, and used uh-huh. a lot in Indian in Indian but it's also used a lot in vegan food to um, to, to you know is serve Is that the as only thing I placement. get to
4: consumer, or is that just before my meals I take some it ghee? It
0: sounds like you just have ghee right. until I mean... you evacuate at both ends. Uh, one day, thank you. Uh, one day of therapeutic vomiting. Mm, okay. Uh-oh. Now I'm just I gonna think I say. Heard the toilet flush. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> like that sounds like binging. Uh, you could call it therapeutic vomiting if you like, but that sounds intentional, which would be binging. Day, uh, day, uh, another day of laxative therapy. Once okay. again, you're just attaching therapy. To another thing that's usually associated with either eating disorders or uh, it does bring colonoscopies, strange,
4: like it brings me a strange comfort though, thinking that instead of just telling me that I got to poop my brains out or, or throw up forcibly, <laughs> therapy. there's therapy with it. It's okay. called yeah. therapy okay. for your butt. Mm-hmm. Okay. But <laughs> uh,
0: three days of herb drops in your nose. Okay. That sounds fine. Are no, we talking fine. herbs, though? Or are I'm mm-hmm. uh, oh, just making sure. Uh, if, if it's not herbs regular herbs, is not, I'm not particularly in quotation interested. marks. Okay. Whatever you're putting in your nose for three days is supposed to help. Okay. Many days. We're not going to specify many days of enemas. Okay. Some more butt stuff. Okay. okay. Uh, I don't yeah. know what you're going up to get if you've already done the laxative therapy. What's left in there, and then yoga and meditation throughout.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of game for this. I, this doesn't sound all that bad to me, you know? Like I just, so, I
0: just I'm, noticed I'm, the first comment on this is, I can achieve four out of six of these with a case of Natty Light. <laughs> Oh, man, like,
4: the question is, do you really come out, like, uh, I mean, and again, I, like, I've done the juice cleanse thing before a couple of times. Like, I won't say that I came out, like, suddenly feeling, you know, drastically different or anything, but I'm also willing to admit that I might be mostly dead on the inside. So, like, uh, yeah, you know, fair, m- maybe fair. maybe this sort of thing, like, you know, taking a little bit of, like, uh, whatever, ghee, and then, uh, and then, you know, we just take one day out one end, one day out the other, and then yeah. – and then just see where things go? Like, that, that sounds like a Well, you got to be meditating weekend. throughout. I think yeah. that's
0: where you fill up the body that you're otherwise stripping and, 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 and removing everything. Are you from.
4: meditating or are you quietly praying, oh God, I need this to stop? <laughs> like, I'm not sure which one it is.
0: Is meditating just a euphemism for sitting on the toilet? You're going to no, spend a lot fair. of time, presumably. Um, do you think Many Days of Enemas is a good band name?
4: Uh, a thousand percent. <laughs> I or at least like an album. Many Days name. of
0: Enemas would be at Horde Fest.
4: Like by the third or fourth day Like what's the weirdness like with your enema person Because I would imagine that Aaron <laughs> Rodgers Probably has somebody coming to his house To perform said enema But like that seems like day one a little awkward Day two a little, little more uncomfortable Or a little less uncomfortable Day three you're
0: really having to dig right Because what's, yeah. what's left like,
4: Day three we're just <laughs> talking like
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: And like if stuff is still coming out by day three The enemas and after all the laxatives I don't know right. what's wrong with you
0: And what was going on in there um, also, is Taco Bell a sponsor? I feel like, again, you could get through this a lot faster if you just took
1: a different route. I do love Taco Bell, you're right, though. That um, a crazy either way,
0: thing. listen, again, it is very possible that he came out of this uh, time of exploration and dehydration feeling grateful, um, but none of that explains the intense need to be paid attention to and dissected because of your social media posts. That, that's it.
4: Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that, Sarah. There's nothing we're going to do to stop this either. Every time he speaks, we're all going to trip (laughs) over ourselves. Yeah, here we are
0: again, doing it again. Uh, It's Spain and Fitz. We've now digested Aaron Rodgers' sound, so Mm. uh, do we think there's a chance he's with the team? We'll ask a guest from Wisconsin about it next.
4: Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, and we're going to get to some Straight Talk. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Straight Talk Wireless, uh, no contract, no compromise. Uh, whenever I think of hearing somebody roar, I think of our, our, our visits that we constantly get with Aaron Rodgers and Pat McAfee. Uh, it always a delight of information. I say that half joking. I don't know what we're supposed to make, make any of any of it. With yeah, <laughs> It makes us something. Uh, so we're going to get some insight from ESPN Milwaukee's Jen Latta, our bestie. You can check her out on Jen, Gabe, and Chewy on ESPN Milwaukee 945. Jen, uh, okay, when you saw, before you heard from Aaron Rodgers, when you saw the tweet that apparently, or the social media posting, I should say, that he says isn't cryptic, did you find cryptic meaning to it?
3: <laughs> of course, because that is the the situation that Aaron Rodgers has created, right? He loves the drama. He loves us dissecting his every post, his every word. You know, he knows the game. He's been in it just as long as we all have. So he knows exactly what's going to happen when he does his Monday gratitude, night of gratitude, and then post pictures of certain people, and then the final picture is Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams, and he's not there. He absolutely knows what a frenzy it is going to put the fan base into. You know, our conversation this morning was, do fans like being jerked around like this? Do fans who have invested in the team and who have invested in him – like the emotional roller coaster, and I don't think many of them do. I think there's a frustration level that has set in for a lot of fans. There's fatigue, people just want a decision. And as you guys have and I have discussed, it is so eerily similar to what the fan base went through with Brett Favre mm-hmm. that people are like, wow, deja vu, PTSD, how can we be going through this again?
0: Jen, before we get to the question of you know timing and Devonte Adams and everything else, uh, we have an important journalis- journalistic request of you, and we're curious if you, in the name of both content and journalism with the capital J, would be willing to do the panchakarma cleanse and talk about it
3: absolutely not you know you guys brought me in with that song you're gonna hear me roar i feel like that's what rogers was doing over the toilet
0: for the yeah, last 12 yeah, from both ends yeah
3: honestly I mean... you want to know something i know that there's a bunch of people out there sarah that googled pancha karma cleanse and then they immediately were like you know what the T 12 method doesn't sound so bad right about now i could i can do some avocado right. ice
0: cream I guess oh, the, that's... the major lesson on both is that most of us would not be willing to do what it takes yeah, <laughs> to, Well, to that's be probably. great.
4: Hey, I put it out on Twitter. I need somebody to walk me through it. I want to do it the safe way, but I think it's going to be you good You would content. do it,
0: though.
2: You oh, are yeah. the kind No, I would. Of... I would. Jen, I
0: don't know if you know this about Fitz, but when we first started doing the show together, when our work marriage began, this guy was having either something in the re- in the realm of five to six venti coffees a day or like 11... Like Mountain Dew energy drinks a day. Like this guy has no he'll, he'll put anything in there. <laughs> he'll do he But goes I go all yeah, or nothing. Is, See, then, I'll go then, go all then all or the nothing. next week he'll only eat chicken breast for like five months.
3: Yeah.
4: I mean that's like I'm all in what are you or I'm doing all doing
3: some to- sort of what what are you doing? Some sort of lifelong fear factor over there? Like, <laughs> I mean, that's... You can eat normal food, bitch. It's okay.
4: Everybody um, always tells me like I should show. try moderation, but I don't oh, know. Like if I understood something. moderation, I wouldn't be who I am. I I feel like it's a strength, Jen.
3: What's crazy about it, though, guys, and he tried to kind of sell it a little like, oh, you can lose some of that vacation weight, which I think we all have been on vacation and come back feeling a little like, wow, we overindulged on our time away. But you actually have to be incredibly still. Like he talked about how you're recentering, you're meditating, like there's all these things and you're not doing any sort of exercise or working out or any straining. He said you turn everything (laughs) off. So I just feel like it's not really realistic, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's the part you have a problem with. <laughs> Jen's like, I don't know. I think the, not being able to exercise for that long—that's unrealistic. But uh, you're cool with all the parts I where you're was, evacuating out of thinking, both ends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was I'm, just
3: thinking from anybody trying to live a normal lifestyle. Right, you know right, I mean? Right. Like Aaron Rodgers has the luxury of taking twelve days off after the NFL honors and just sitting in a hut somewhere. And, <laughs> you true. know, like like you said, cleaning himself <laughs> out. Like the rest of you. Humanity doesn't have that luxury. Can you imagine the out-of-office message you're sending your bosses?
4: I, I love that. Hey, guys, I'm out of the office for the next 12 days. I'm going to be therapeutically uh, evacuating from both ends. Oh, we're talking to Jen Latta. You can check her out on ESPN Milwaukee. One thing that Aaron Rodgers did mention, of, of course, was Devontae Adams. That's like its own shot drink now. Every time he mentions Devonte, everybody drinks. So uh, every fan base seems to be enamored with him. What do you think happens with the wide receiver this offseason?
3: Yeah, I think the Packers have control of this situation a little bit, unless Aaron Rodgers uses Devontae as leverage, right, and says, do not franchise tag my pal or else I'm out, right, which I think he certainly could do. It would be comparable to the Randall Cobb situation. We know that Tom Clements is back in the fold, somebody that Aaron Rodgers likes a lot. I don't know if that was a stipulation per se, but certainly something that greases the wheels to the quarterback coming back to Green Bay. I think Green Bay can franchise tag him with the hope of tying him up long-term. But I think Devontae Adams only wants to be there if Aaron Rodgers is there. So it does become a little tricky. You know, this is very chicken or the egg, and I think that's what Russ Ball and Mark Murphy and Brian Goodick would have to figure out is, okay, how do we get Aaron Rodgers to pull the trigger? We may have to franchise tag Devontae Adams, but the goal would be to get a long-term deal done where he would be handsomely rewarded to stay in Green Bay.
0: So – I guess, Jen, to clarify then, they don't, uh, neither Devontae nor the Packers necessarily would want the franchise deal, and they can put that on him, and then they still have time to work towards that long-term deal, but you think the franchise tag is a step toward getting Aaron Rodgers?
3: I think the franchise tag is just in the the team's best interest. Like, we always talk about the tools you have in your toolbox. The franchise tag is a tool that franchises have, that teams have, right? right? And so I understand that players don't like it, but I always say, like, you're almost not doing your due diligence as a franchise to just be like, well, we're not going to use that tool because the players don't like us using that tool. Like that to me seems not, like not doing your job like to the, right. to the extent that you other could. Than, so other I'm than, saying, of I course, think they the use it. it
0: could have on the player if you use it where you've lost the – they don't then want to bargain in good faith because they're frustrated or they, they think you're not treating them fairly and then they don't want to sign for a long-term deal.
3: Exactly. Yes. And I think that if they establish that, hey, look, you're one of the best players at your position, if not the best player out there. We absolutely want you in Green Bay long term. They understand that he and the quarterback are a package deal. I think they would be working on a long term extension for him. And the thing that we've been talking about a lot about the Green Bay Packers is don't get so concerned about the cap right? And there's always this joke about how the teams worry less about the cap than the fan bases do. They look at these numbers and go, how are they going to make them work? Well, we said the same thing about the New Orleans Saints last year, right? We said, there's no way this roster looks anywhere near what it did the year before. And somehow Mickey Loomis was able to figure it out down there. These guys are mathematicians. They're wizards. And those voidable years, I said it this morning on my radio show, those are like the fairy godmother's uh, wand, magic wand, right? Bibbity, bobbidi boo voidable years, poop. Mm-hmm. magic, we got under the cap.
4: So, Jen, I want to ask you about Jordan Love, but not in the way that we've been asked about a million times to this point. I guess my, my my question for you is all of this talk about Aaron Rodgers, none about Jordan Love. At what point is there accountability, not for the fact that they drafted another quarterback, not that, but the fact that they drafted a first-round quarterback that's still three years in is now, in their eyes, not ready to play?
3: Yeah, I think it's about reframing, right? And and you could sit there and go, "Oh, it's a mistake if you want to look at things black or white." But we're always talking about how franchises have to prepare for the future. If in fact Aaron Rodgers had had a backslide, if he had fallen off the Max Kellerman cliff like you said about Tom Brady, and you don't have a guy, well then you can say that there was negligence there from the front office's part, right? They didn't draft a quarterback, they didn't have somebody ready to go. Bah, 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 bah. So I say it's always better to have somebody. Maybe he didn't progress the way you wanted him to, sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. But I also talk about the chaos that this kid has been thrown into, and every time he steps on the field, how it's some sort of referendum on the front office, and you've got Rodgers feuding with the front office. And, like, this this guy, Jordan Love, has just been put right smack in the middle of this soap opera, and he didn't ask for any of it. So I believe that, yes, they would like to have seen more progress from him over the years, People who have seen him work out, and obviously we've seen one start from him when Rodgers was out with COVID, just say they haven't seen the flashes that they see from other quarterbacks who do step in out of that backup role into a starter role, even in a limited capacity. And so there are still questions about what he can do, which is a huge reason why Green Bay is desperately clinging to the hope that they can convince Aaron Rodgers to come back.
0: Jen, we have to let you know so quickly, and uh, and obviously the chaos that Jordan Love has gone through is also uh, made by the Packers, by bringing him in while still you know, having Aaron Rodgers, and as much as they've been able to keep Rodgers around, uh, it's been full of conflict because they they were trying to be set up for that next step, and maybe that next step wasn't ready yet. Um, do you think that the Devontae Adams timeline will in any way then get us the answer more quickly, or do you think Aaron Rodgers will make use of them being able to franchise tag him to drag this out?
3: I don't think anything happens definitively with Devonte Adams until they know what Aaron Rodgers wants to do. I think that those two are attached. I think Rodgers will want to know what their plan is for Devontae. And he will then, you know, there'll be some good faith negotiating that, OK, if you guys decide on this, maybe it's not done today, but you plan on doing it. And I think this, the relationship is in such a good place now that they're going to give each other the benefit of the doubt in those negotiations. So, look, they have been so close to the vest with all of these conversations. Uh, You know, we wouldn't know about this stuff unless Rodgers goes on Pat McAfee every single week. So I don't know that we're going to get an answer within the next week or so, but I think those two are inextricably tied, and we'll know about Devontae's future, and we'll know about Aaron Rodgers' future very, very
4: similarly in the timeline. Listener to one, listen to her on ESPN Milwaukee 945. Jen Latta. Jen, always appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks, guys. Tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast, by the way, it gets you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily available wherever you enjoy your podcast. Okay. Strong words from a former teammate about Zion Williamson that you have to hear. Plus, I waited over two hours in line for something today. Am I crazy? We'll talk about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. If you're not watching First Take on Tuesdays, you're missing out on the delight known as J.J. Reddick. J.J. Reddick has not minced words when it's come to battling basketball knowledge uh, with Stephen A. It's been a delight. He also has <laughs> not minced words when it comes to calling out players that he played with. We'll get to that in a second, because you've got to hear what he had to say about one superstar former teammate. But before we get there, Sarah, I'm going to admit to you today that I did something you're not going to approve of. And uh, it <laughs> took a lot of my time. And, uh, you know, we I, I know we are, we are both very busy people. And sometimes yes. it's hard to keep up with everything that, that we've got going on. But yesterday I got an email to my inbox and it was Sony telling me direct that I had won the lottery opportunity to try and win a PS5. Ooh. Now, I've been trying to get a PS5 win? since wow. they came out. Yeah, you had to win the lottery just to get in. To try and then so... Then do you buy it? Yeah, Well, if you're lucky, because just because you got the lottery invite doesn't mean still you'll be able to buy one, limit one per household through this process. But I, uh, you know, I I did a little bit of research. I read a little bit on Reddit. It told me to go ahead and log in uh, two hours early. So exactly two hours before it hit, I hit the little button and it put me in a virtual queue. Then I had to wait in that queue, keep my laptop open, keep everything going. And then I got into the actual waiting room once the queue opened two hours later And it took about 35, 40 minutes. All of a sudden, bam, opened up. I was in the store. I was able to buy a PS5 after years of waiting. I felt, but here's what's strange about it. I felt this nostalgic pull to like when I was a kid and I'm going to be old man on the block for a second. Like when I was a kid, if Ticketmaster, if tickets were going on sale, you had two choices. You could call Ticketmaster. Or you could go stand in line at the box office. Those were your only two options. Like, the internet didn't exist when I was in high school. So, uh, you know, so at some point you had to look around and say, okay, I want to go see Bon Jovi. That means you're either going to call the Ticketmaster hotline for hours and hope that you eventually get through, or you're going to camp out like a day and a half early and try and get to the front of the window. I actually found myself nostalgically feeling back to those old days, thinking, man, I kind of missed the madness that used to be having to get some things in life. Like, I was more happy that I got a PS5 because of that childhood sort of tie back.
0: Okay, I can see that a little bit. I don't know that I have any nostalgia for it in terms of actually missing it. I think think to myself, good Lord, I do not have time for the things I used to sit around and wait for, whether that be uh, the lines at like Great America, Six Flags. Right, I I just, I spent days, uh, just most of the day, you were just in line for the 30 seconds of roller coaster. I do not have the patience for that now. Or the other thing I could think of is I used to go to concerts with my one friend and certain bands, uh, we would not buy tickets. We would wait outside the friends and family window. We would check in with them when we got there and then we would stand around and wait for the band to release back tickets that weren't claimed by the friends and family. Mm -hmm. And then you could buy them at face value and you'd be really close usually because they were good tickets that they were holding and didn't need all of. Um, And that would often take some real, you know talking to and and kind of you know being nice to the people at the window and waiting around and making sure you're still visible so they'll call you over and that that could be a real waiting game right up until the concert started but it was worth it at the time for me uh now i'm i i just uh don't go or i pay my weight to have the experience i want
4: <laughs> yeah all i kept thinking about when the you benefits mentioned- of getting older like- and
0: having a job <laughs>
4: You mentioned roller coasters. The first thing I thought is like, now I'm the guy that's constantly like, what's the fast pass program? Like, I'll pay extra. Right. Like, just yes. make make sure I don't have to wait in line. Well, we'll put it out on Twitter. Ask you guys if there's a yeah. nostalgic pain in the butt thing that you remember from your childhood that, that you kind of miss. miss. Yeah. 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 We'll see. Maybe uh, maybe we'll get some good answers there. In the meantime, we got a good answer from JJ Reddick about Zion Williamson. Now. For anyone not paying attention, Zion injured and has been rehabbing, as we've talked about on this show a couple of times in Portland. He's nowhere near the team. But the fact is, the team, the Pelicans, traded for CJ McCollum, and Zion hasn't spoken to him yet at all. Now, maybe that's a big deal, maybe it's not. But I'm gonna look back at a former player that knows Zion well to figure that out. This is what he said about Zion not calling CJ on first
2: take today. This just shows a complete lack of investment in your team, in the organization. In the city, I get that he's hurt and away from the team, but you just traded for one of the 50 best players in the league, a guy that's supposed to be paired with you. Reach out and say hello. I'm, I'm. This is a pattern of behavior with Zion that we are seeing again and again. And look, I was his teammate. I can describe him as a detached teammate. That that is that is an accurate statement. This is just this is basic, basic level of humanity being a teammate send a text to a guy when he gets traded to your team. That is just normal behavior. That's the bar minimum that you have to do. And the Pelicans yesterday sent out an email for season tickets for next year. Guess who wasn't in the email? Whose name was not in the email?
1: Zions.
0: It is the bare minimum and the lowest bar. It yes, is both. Yes. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And listen, I, I have a lot of empathy for Zion. I think it must be absolutely impossible to have so many expectations while simultaneously have people predicting your demise by virtue of any number of physical ailments because of your size and the makeup of your body, and then to have a lot of that becoming true this early on. Also to be on a team within the Pelicans that you know, a lot of people will argue have not been able to make use of the stars in the past. Um, All of this has sort of made this situation very difficult. But simple things like being an involved teammate, being focused and being a part of things as often as you can, even while rehabbing, that's simple, man. And it's very disappointing. It feels like there will be a real waste of talent and opportunity and potential for this kid because not only the physical stuff, but the other stuff. Like, I, I, I don't understand not calling CJ. I don't understand being so distant from the team.
4: I also don't understand Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, uh, the mindset sometimes where you haven't surrounded yourself with enough people that can tell you, hey, it's what you need to do. Now, J.J. Reddick did mention, and there's an article on ESPN.com that talks a little bit about him being very upfront with Zion Williamson a couple of times about, man, there are certain things you just have to do when you're part of a team. So maybe there are people around Zion and he's just not listening. But whether it's Zion's camp, whether it's Zion's agent, whether it's the Pelicans as an organization – it, there's an obvious need for somebody to step in and say, hey, these are the sort of things that are expected from you at this level. And these are the things you need to start doing for this team to buy into each other. Unfortunately, maybe I just they wonder. Are. Uh, yeah. Or maybe there's a the question like maybe
0: uh, maybe there are people and he and his people aren't listening.
4: And that's that's a concern. And then how hard can you push when you're trying to make sure that you keep somebody happy so that you don't have an A D situation all over again? Like this is the complication that comes by the way this whole relationship's working out so far.
0: Yeah, it does. It just leaves you with so many questions. And unfortunately, that's always going to happen when there's mystery around a situation like this. But he serves himself well by, first of all, reaching out to and engaging with new teammates like CJ. And secondly, by being more transparent and vocal about what exactly is going on. It doesn't serve him in any way to be mysterious about the injury or the rehab.
4: Yeah, that that's the weirdest part about all of this is not that Zion's rehabbing somewhere else. This is Zion's become essentially... Invisible, and that's hard to figure out, hard to process for all of us. Not invisible, the U.S. women's national team. They scored a monumental victory today. We'll get all the details from an expert next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: A monumental day for U.S. women's national team and the soccer world as the settlement six-plus years in the making over the equal pay dispute Settled $24 million going to the U.S. Women's National Team. How will it be divvied up? What's next in terms of the CBA and more? We'll get to it now. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And the U.S. Women's National Team PA Executive Director Becca Rood joins us now. Becca, thanks for the time. I know you've been in CBA negotiations, so long day <laughs> for you. Celebration and then more work. Uh, let's just start from the beginning here, because I think we have to do this discussion fair by talking about how it's not just equal pay, equal pay. There was some real sticking points as to why uh, the contracts of the men's and women's teams were different and all of that that had to be sort of uh, reconciled in this fight, right?
5: Hey, Sarah. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Sarah, that's right. I think we can get into some real nitty-gritty on how these contracts have been negotiated in the past, and today it was about an acknowledgement by the Federation and settling the past back pay. That is what this settlement does. And we are currently negotiating what forward-looking pay looks like and achieving equal pay in both areas.
4: The initial lawsuit filed back in March of 2019. How would you describe the process to get to this point, Becca?
5: Long. (laughs)
4: Um,
5: Yeah, as Sarah mentioned, it's six years. So really to even be able to file the lawsuit, the players had to be able to first file individual charges with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission and then once the EEOC had done their investigation they issued a right to sue letter and the players had a deadline by which they had to sue and they did that on March 8th of 2019 and here we are almost three years after the lawsuit was initially filed six years after the initial um, complaints were filed with the EEOC Commission or charges. And the players have settled contingent, and this is a big contingency, and largely points to what my work does is on us, it's contingent on us ratifying a new collective bargaining agreement.
0: Becca Rue, the executive director of U.S. Women's National Team Players Association with us here on Spain and Fitz. Yeah, let's talk about CBA negotiations. It feels like the announcement of this and including the contingency there means that you feel like probably you're on the doorstep, or it must be close, right, if you're tying them together?
3: Well, I will
5: clarify that the Players Association is not a party to the lawsuit, so we are not a party to the settlement, but yes, i I think it is we are hopeful that we are close, I would say and maybe not as close as people think with them tying them so closely together. We have a lot of work to do um, through the next at least month, I would say. So today was very exciting forty eight pages of contract language was discussed via Zoom. <laughs> and passed over the table from our side to us soccer and they will turn that around plus probably another 50 pages <laughs> that are out there floating around too so it's, it's really exciting stuff riveting and well, cba negotiations
0: quick follow on that uh, how how important will it be for the men's team and their representatives to be on board in these discussions in order for this to be resolved as as a contract that that is a, applicable to both sides
5: Thankfully, we have been working with the Men's National Team Players Association, uh, the representatives of the men's players, and they were, for instance, present at bargaining today. So we are coordinating on our various proposals. And so I think in order for us to achieve the ultimate goal of equal pay, we are working to address the concerns of both, sides, both men's players and women's players. So it's important.
4: Becca, while I understand that the Players Association isn't part of the lawsuit specifically, you're dealing with a collective bargaining and negotiation on the heels of a lawsuit. How difficult is it to keep sort of everybody calm and and go through this process in a way that doesn't get contentious? Or more contentious. You can't am
0: sorry. Yeah, I don't know if, was, if, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't not, know if
5: not getting contentious. <laughs> I, I will say the tone of these negotiations is very different than 2017 CBA negotiations for the women's national team, which I was part of. And this, but this CBA negotiation has been incredibly complex because up until the end of January, we were also coordinating with the. NWSL Players Association on their first collective bargaining agreement because part of our CBA oversaw our players play in the NWSL and then we also had to coordinate with the litigation attorneys and we still are and then we also have the men's national team PA so usually when you're dealing with a collective bargaining process we would talk to our members and we would figure out what our members are willing to do and then we go negotiate with U.S. soccer and Honestly, that sounds so simple now,
6: and <laughs> I almost yearned for that.
5: But instead, I have to talk to our members and then also talk to those other three parties and then go talk to U.S. Docker. has mm. been a lot of the process. It's complicated.
0: It's Spain and Fitz Sarah Spain Jason Fitz talking to the executive director of the. US Women's National Team Players Association uh, after the historic settlement today in the fight for equal pay with U.S soccer. Now the CBAs are are in the in the works and and there's also a new president of US. soccer that will be voted on. Uh, Cindy Carlo Parlo Cohn has been a, a, what I've heard from all the conversation, a big part of getting this deal done. But she is not uh, officially elected. She uh, is running against former Federation president, Carlos Cordero, who resigned from his post after the legal filings defending the Federation side of this equal pay lawsuit uh, were antiquated and, and insulting. Uh, it included arguing that women deserve less money because of their skeletal structure and lung capacity. Mm. Uh, just some of the worst stuff I've ever read. And uh, backlash with Swift, including from lots of sponsors. He's running again inexplicably uh what would you put a, a, as a percentage likelihood of him actually winning and how detrimental would it be to likely conversations around the cba and otherwise for the women's side if he were to be reinstated
5: it it takes a certain type of person to rerun doesn't it sarah i it sure does. I don't know what his chances are. I think that U.S. soccer politics are complicated. I would like to say definitively that he doesn't stand a huge chance. I think there's always a chance. But the Athlete Council, per the Ted Stevens Act and the amendments recently, has 33 percent of the vote. And then the NWSL, MLS, USL Pro Council has another, I think, 20 and change percent. So you just need a simple majority to win this election. And I think numbers-wise, it works not in, in Carlos's favor. I also think Cindy has, not just to mention why the reasons why Carlos had to step down, but Cindy does deserve credit, a lot of credit, in addition to the players deserving a lot of credit for this settlement. It's amazing when you have women in leadership, and especially a former player in leadership that understands, and Cindy herself was discriminated against. If you go back to this equal pay fight did not start six years ago. It started... In the 90s, it started with Saudi and Cindy and their very respective teammates saying we're not going to show up to the 1996 Olympics unless you're paying us equal bonuses to the men. So this is a long standing fight. And when you have somebody sitting in a position of power that understands it from the other side, but also is fighting to try to mend all the the wounds that have been created by mostly men, um, it, it is we, we got here because of that. And I think Cindy deserves a ton of credit and i hope that then shows up in the election results personally
4: becca what do you think the biggest challenge is for u.s uh, women's national team for the next decade
5: well i hope it's just winning on the field because i think that's what this decision today leads us to or the settlement agreement announcement today i hope we can say the the women like most men male athletes male athletes generally aren't having to fight for equal pay they're there's other advocacy that they can probably turn their attention to, which I think will be welcome change, but they can also just focus on hopefully defending their titles on the field, including the world cup in
0: 2023. And, uh, sort of, uh, interestingly, their fight for equal pay and their dominance on the field is what has resulted in a lot of resources and investment across the world in women's soccer, uh, which is making it tougher for them to defend those titles. Uh, They're, you know, uh, feeling the pressure more so in part because of uh, the, the incredible example that they've set across the globe, which is impressive and and challenges them even more. Becca, thank you so much. I know you had a really long day. This stuff is pretty sticky, and we will continue talking about it, and we appreciate your insight.
5: Thanks, Becca. Sarah, Jason, thank you guys. Have a good one.
0: Becca Rue, executive director of the U.S. Women's National Team Players Association. You can follow her at Becca Rue, R-O-U-X, on Twitter. Spain and Fitz presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Coming up, the ending of the Michigan-Wisconsin College basketball game has sparked a lot of convos about handshakes. Well, now Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo is weighing in. We'll hear what he had to say next. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, giving you all the girl power tonight. That woman power. So we're celebrating the U.S. Women's National Team's historic win in the Equal Pay Fight. It's ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. That's the big news of the day, but the news keeps coming in. The fallout of a couple days ago, the Juwan Howard, Michigan, Wisconsin, handshake line smush, slush, slap smush. Definitely wasn't a we'll punch, but we'll go smush, we'll smush. smush. sloppy smush. smush. That's there you go. Uh, now we're doing sloppy swish. <laughs> Mokiko, <laughs> SNL, deep cut. Okay. Uh, MSU's Tom Izzo spoke out about some of the fallout, which is people saying maybe we don't need handshake lines anymore. Uh, I talked about this on the show last night, and I said I disagree with that, because while I understand that there will be occasions where people will be pit- you know, mad at each other, teams will be mad at each other, uh, we all, I actually own a shirt that says, good game, good game, good game, F you, good game, because that is often how you feel, there's that one person <laughs> on the other team that you're like, I'm not shaking that hand, uh, but regardless, part of it is to reconcile at the end that you've engaged in a sporting adventure together and now it's over and now you have to have the perspective to now respect your opponents and the competition enough to just shake hands on your way out even if it's a dead fish shake Izzo in response to people saying we should get rid of it had plenty to say
2: talk shows there are suggestions silly as they may
1: be that we should do away with the handshake line now oh my god have you heard that oh my god I have and I do gotta comment on that since that's not insulting to anybody that to me would be the biggest farce, joke, ridiculous nature of anything I've ever heard of. We've already taught these poor 18 year olds that when when you know you're told to go to class and you don't like it, you can leave. We've already told these kids if you're not happy, you can do something else. We've already told these kids that it's hard to hold them accountable. And now we're going to tell them to not man up and walk down a line on someone who's kicked your butt and have enough class to shake their hand is utterly ridiculous so if the president said it i think he's full of it if the best coach in america said it i think that gets me way more than this incident not shaking hands um That's typical of our country right now, you know, instead of solving the problem, let's make an excuse and let's see if we can uh, just instead of confronting and demanding that it changes, let's eliminate it so that we don't have those problems. Let's 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 try to do that. That's that's perfect us right now. That's not perfect me. That's not happening here. So if some team doesn't want to shake hands, you're going to see 15 of my guys walk down shake air, and I'm going to shake air, and then we're going to leave.
0: Fitz, what's your response?
4: I mean, first and foremost, the thought of shaking air does sound kind of comical. Um, <laughs> uh, Look, I, I don't, uh, I mean, I love the fact that Izzo's that worked up over a handshake. I don't really care one way or the other about the handshake in general. I think what got lost in this somewhere for a lot of people is that this isn't about the kids. This was about the two grown-ass adults that acted this way in the handshake line. And, and then the kids that followed that lead, sure. But we we shouldn't have to eliminate problems like a handshake for grown adults walking by each other. I, I think that's the part of it that really hit me the hardest is you know whether whether or not you love or hate the concept of a handshake afterwards, I don't really care that much. I'd love to be passionate about most things, as Izzo is about that. But <laughs> that's not going to fix anything when you've got coaches that are running their mouths at each other and putting themselves in this situation. So I, I don't see why we need to change rules to protect adults that should know better
0: uh you're reminding me of a classic levitard bit i don't care about anything as much ever as he cares about this not being the united states of tortorella uh (laughs) it's again a deep cut go back go back and look it up um yeah i mean i actually agree with this though and i said that last night about not getting rid of the handshakes and i agree with the underlying reason for that is we need to teach these kids and these coaches for that matter that barring obscene acts of violence or violations of rules that go beyond the pale, you should be able to collect yourself at the end And shake hands, even if it's a fake shake, because that's part of the acknowledgement of stepping out on the court together. Because in the end, you're you're aligning in agreement that what happens on the court is done with respect and safety to the best of the ability, even in times when you're playing sports where there's a real opportunity for for injury and everything else. Like you sort of and I say this a lot, but you hear me say this a lot, that the things I care about the most in sports that bother me the most are people who don't try hard or people who disrespect that sort of agreement that you've entered in, whether it's, you know, stepping on someone's face or, you know, grace and ing someone, those things really bother me. So you need to have that moment at the end where you reset the priorities and, and your perspective. I just am a little put off by some of what Izzo said. Uh, the idea that we've taught 18-year-olds when you're told to go to class and you don't like it, you can leave. Where are we teaching them that? Um, yeah, we've told kids if you're not happy, you can do something else. I mean, yeah, a lot of the time, isn't that probably a better answer than forcing people to be unhappy for no reason? I don't know the specific thing he's thinking about. Yes, of course we all have to do things that don't make us happy or that are hard work. I, I don't know if he's just implying that we just let kids off easy. We've it felt told like a these kids, to it's the hard... transfer
4: portal to me. It felt like he was I mean, basically maybe. like... You know. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It could be that, which again, prioritizes uh, the needs and desires of the multi-million dollar coaches over the athletes who have this mm. limited window cool. to compete, so we don't feel sorry for you, Izzo. Uh, and then finally, we've told the kids, it's hard to hold them accountable. It just feels a lot like the eye rolling and yelling at clouds that older people do about the difficulties that the younger generation has without any sort of respect or understanding of what it's like to be a young kid in these times, whether that's COVID, whether that's social media, whether that's um ex- increasingly high rates of anxiety and mental health issues. Um, it felt very flippant. It felt like the attitude that we're trying to get rid of in coaching, frankly, which is like, if you don't fear me, you can't hear me. Tough love BS. Uh, so that part I was like, well, I don't know if we really need that. I think we can focus on handshakes and the expectations post game without getting into the idea that like kids can, whatever they want these days, man, what a disappointment.
4: Yeah, I think that's the, like, the other wasn't necessary, right? Like, we didn't need the commentary on player movement or empowerment like I think all these things can be true like I think there's an entrepreneurial spirit that exists to kids today that didn't exist in my generation kids as they come in to college are immediately thinking how can I get my slice of the pie to do what I want to do the way I want to do it And I I think that's something that schools should be cultivating and and trying to help create more of so empowering kids to understand the power that their brand has and and how to go out and market themselves and the opportunities they can make for themselves I think is a beautiful part of the Mm -hmm. development of college basketball we can Say all of that in on the one hand, and then on the other hand, say, but also at the end of a game, you you need to shake hands. Like that's just the way it's done. I, I, I don't <laughs> know not why they mutually the, the, exclusive. <laughs> fact, exactly.
0: Yeah, I also think that empowering and providing confidence and respect to young people allows them to power through adversity. And it's it's the opposite sort of when we don't respect them enough to make decisions, and we mock them being honest about what they're going through, uh, tends to uh, work. The opposite way college basketball season's heating up and that means the wendy's wooden watch has begun go to espn.com and search wooden watch for the list of the wooden award nominees to watch as the season rolls on every day is game day with wendy's breakfast the official breakfast of the ncaa choose wisely choose wendy's coming up a story of sacrifice and triumph our next guest is an olympian who puts the true essence of being a good teammate into perspective it's next
4: Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM. Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. In honor of my morning today, spending hours waiting on a virtual queue to get a PlayStation 5. We've asked you on Twitter. Be sure to chime in. We'll get some responses in a little bit. Something from your childhood. There was a pain in the ass that you're actually kind of miss, you know. So we're getting some good stuff out there. And by the way, I got a PS five, so like I feel good about uh, my my decision. My time was Should my time I time well you'll spent. be
0: Less prepared for every show from here on out. Well, that's a, the glory.
4: Every <laughs> I buy one of these every few years, and then every few years I realize that I only play it like six times a year. So I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Uh, I, I just I think I just felt like spending stupid money. All right, uh, <laughs> let's get to something actually important now. As we're joined by Brittany Bow, uh, one of uh, the the amazing olympic speed skaters from team usa Brittany. thanks so much for the time I, I can only imagine the acclimation back into normalcy is is difficult but this was such a strange olympics for so many of us watching between the time change and covid and everything going on in china from an athlete's perspective give us sort of the sense of what the experience was like for you
6: the well, first off, thanks for having me. Um, always a, a, an honor to um, you know represent the United States of America at the Olympic Games, no matter you know what the situation may be. And this Olympic Games was um, quite different than my previous two experiences. The biggest one, you know, we all know, family and friends weren't weren't there in the stands for us, and that was you know really devastating, because as athletes, we give up and sacrifice so much, um, you know, for this one goal. And there's so many people that help along the way, you know, in the background, the team behind the team. And, you know, this is this one moment every four years that we get to share with so many people. So to not have, you know, that support system in the stands cheering you on was so different than than any of of the other games that I've been a part of. Um, but with that being said, the USOPC put together an awesome viewing party here in Park City for family and friends. And I think that really helped kind of void that gap for the athletes and the families um, to, to share a, a special moment there. So that that, that was really cool.
0: It was fun for us to watch, for sure, even when there was a slight delay to see the excitement of the family members. It was it was really cool. Brittany, you made a lot of news before you even left for the Olympics. Uh, your teammate, your good friend, your training partner, Aaron Jackson, slipped during the 500-meter trial, and her chances of competing in that event, which she was the best in the world that w- took a hit. You stepped up, and you gave her your spot so she could com- compete, and she ultimately won gold. Did you consult with anyone before making that decision? And how did you, how did you decide that you were selflessness, selfless enough to do that?
6: I mean, you know, we've all seen that sports can, you know, create opportunities for so many people um, uh, for, you know, different circumstances, different reasons. And for me to, you know, relinquish my 500-meter spot to give Aaron an opportunity to make history um, was an absolute honor. I did not consult with anyone before making the decision. And I spoke with Erin briefly the night of that 500 meter slip and I told her, I just gave her a hug and I told her, You know, you can rest easy tonight knowing that if it comes down to me giving up my spot for you, um, there's no doubt in my mind that 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 was hers. I mean, she went into the Olympic trials as the 500-meter World Cup leader, Um, you know, and for me, that decision, you know, that was was so much bigger than me, Um, you know, as athletes, were you know solely measured based on performance and results but at the end of the day you know as humans as friends as teammates what really matters is to me is creating that you know a positive impact and just just making a difference in, in the world around me so you know totally honored to to give her that opportunity and at the end of the day she, uh, she 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 did it 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 was only her on that start line and she you know wrote the finish to that storybook ending
4: We're talking to U.S. Olympic speed skater Brittany Bowe. She's part of Team Bridgestone along with Nathan Chen, Elena Myers-Taylor, Aaron Jackson, and Mark McMorris. So uh, for all of that, uh, amazing, but you also got some hardware of your own. You won the bronze in the 1,000-meter event. That's your first Olympic medal uh, from a solo uh, competition. What what was the difference like for you breaking through as a solo instead of part of uh, a, a team?
6: Uh, You know, it's always been a dream of mine to, you know, step up on that podium and to be able to, you know, finally do it in the 1,000 meter, you know, which is my favorite event, was uh, a dream come true. After I crossed the finish line, I was in the the final pair, and, you know, I would be lying if I said I I didn't have some disappointment in me looking up and seeing seeing a number three next to my name because there's no secret. My goal was gold. Um, But just, you know, after taking... Uh, A a deep breath. And then we we fast forward a day and we're at the medal plaza and the medal ceremony is happening. And I'm standing behind the third place podium and I hear the announcer, you know, announce my name, bronze medal winner from the United States of America, Brittany Bowe. And I just, you know, I was kind of holding back tears and I just felt so proud and honored um, to bring home a medal, you know, to the United States.
0: Brittany, I'm like holding back tears during this interview because you made it sound <laughs> so simple, what you did for Aaron, and it was not simple. I mean, very few people actually live up to what we describe as the meaning behind sports and the expectations of camaraderie and teamwork, and you actually do. It's it's really incredible. You can follow her at Brittany Bow on Twitter, U.S. Olympic speed skater, won the bronze in the 1,000 meter um, and gave up her spot for a teammate who ended up winning gold and I believe became the first black athlete to to get a speed skating gold, which is just unbelievable story you know you have an interesting background before you even got into uh, skating played basketball for florida atlantic i have some friends from college who played other sports with me in college and then became bobsledders and other winter olympic sports how did you make that transition
6: yeah, uh, you know, my path was a, a little abnormal. Um, you know, the, the basketball wasn't necessarily my leeway into winter sports, but basketball was my very first love. I grew up in the gym. My dad's been a, a high school basketball coach forever, um, you know, dribbling ball uh, as soon as I can walk during during halftime and stuff there. But my, my, my path to Winter Olympics came from inline skating on rollerblades and a lot of The speed skating Olympic team, the history or the funnel or pathway has been through inline skating. Inline speed skating is um, a Pan American sport. It's a world championship event, but it's not an Olympic sport. So the U S Olympic and Paralympic committee um, a number of years ago now created a a system to fund some of the top inline skaters in the U S and, you know, give us an opportunity to try our hand at, uh, at speed skating. So long story short, I, you know, went to college for four years, played D one ball, and I was, you know, had my sights set on playing basketball overseas with like this ultimate goal of maybe getting into the WNBA. Um, 2010, was my graduation year, also during the 2010 Vancouver Winter Olympics, and I was sitting on the couch in college with my teammate, and I saw, you know, some of my inline skating friends who made this transition onto the ice, um, you know, walking in opening ceremonies, winning medals, and You know, when I graduated, I had a change of heart and I said, you know, if they, if if these guys can do it, I can do it. And I decided when I graduated from FAU to move out to Salt Lake City and make this, you know, Olympic dream a reality. And here we
4: are. I mean, so cool. you, but you're also sort of like there's she a makes weather thing so here. Simple, like, let, let She's me, just, like, let oh, me just, just, I mean, above it, even <laughs> even the amazing athletic feature of this, uh, like, I, I mean, I lived in the South for a long time. I moved to Connecticut. I still can't get used to gold. Like, you go from a lifetime in Florida to Salt Lake City. That has to be a straight. Like, that's a cultural adjustment. That's a cult. That's a climate adjustment. Like, that had to be hard.
6: Yeah, definitely. I mean, being from the South and the East Coast, pretty ignorant, actually, to, to not know what the West had in store. <laughs> I have completely fallen in love with the mountains, really. Florida will yeah. always be home and uh, I will always be uh, a sunshine, warm, warm girl at, at heart. But, um, you know, it's beautiful out here in Salt Lake. the The weather is great. The mountains are awesome. And, you know, during the winter months when it's, you know, a little cold, thankfully we're on the road traveling during the winter so i'm i'm busy competing and then can enjoy the the summers out here in beautiful utah
4: no oh, that's well done you guys can follow her on twitter at britney hey Brittany, congratulations on your success but even more importantly as sarah mentioned thanks for just being everything that we hope olympians can be thank you so much yeah. for the time coming on with us we appreciate it congratulations for all the impact you made thank you so much Spain and Fitz presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling, bundling easy and affordable. You get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more—all your protection in one place. Bundle and save at progressive.com. I'm just sitting here, sort of shooketh by the the concept of being like, ah, I thought I might play in the WNBA, but instead I decided I'd be an Olympian and then be <laughs> an amazing human being in the process. I don't even I don't even know how to make that make sense. All right, I asked you guys a weird question about what you missed from your childhood. We'll get some updates on that next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app and Sirius XM channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We'll get to my day and how I wasted hours of it trying to get a video game system, which probably says a lot about my life and the fact that I know now that Sarah's pointed it out, like, if I, we're just going to get to it now. What the heck? I, you know, I, I spent hours today for any gamer that's listening. I got selected for the PlayStation 5 lottery direct from uh, Sony, right? So I spent two hours waiting in the queue to get into the waiting room to then wait another half an hour to finally get the right to spend, you know, roughly $500 on a video game system. So I'm <laughs> and I'm inherently cheap like. Like, we all know that that, for me, like, takes, like, you need a good solid shot of something before you press pay on that. Like, that's just not happening easily for me. I felt really good about it and had me in my feels about nostalgia, thinking about Ticketmaster as a kid and all these things. Like, what do, what do I miss from my kid, like, from my childhood, having to line up for it? But now, Sarah mentioned, like, I'm going to be less prepared for shows. There's this weird thing for me <laughs> where, like... There's basically a six-week period every year where I think I'm going to play a lot of video games, and it's always February and March. Then I end up busier with college basketball for work than I expected, and then we hit the NFL draft. and Before you know it, it's May, and then I actually want to be outside. So then before you know it, I get to the fall. Now I suddenly realize I just spent all this money on something I'm not going to
0: play. Yeah, it's, it's called clout status you just want to tell everyone that you have a PS5 and you want the feeling of having the money to buy a PS5 now i don't blame you for any of that but i feel like that's part of it for sure
4: oh uh, well well when i was a little kid story time with Jason that nobody asked for on this show but when i was a little <laughs> kid uh, you know as everybody knows uh, i i didn't grow up with a lot and i was a violinist right and I remember going to my mom and dad when the original Nintendo was out, and I was like, well, I want a Nintendo. And my mom's like, cool, you want a Nintendo? Get a damn job. I'm not buying you a Nintendo. We can't afford one. So I got a paper route, and they would deliver these papers to the door, and then, like, I'd practice from, like, whatever, 3.30 in the morning until I heard the thump on the door, and the papers would get there, and I'd deliver the papers, and then I'd come back, finish practicing, go to school, right? And that so I, I saved up and saved up. It took, like, a solid year. I finally get the original Nintendo I buy the original Nintendo, and this is pre-internet, didn't know this was happening. A week later, the NES, like the Super NES comes out, oh. the new gaming system. So oh. I think I've always been jaded now to like, now the, I have to have new But did you care because- about
0: the new one? Because I guess that's the thing, is especially as a kid, I wouldn't have cared about needing the next new one because I wasn't, it wasn't comparative to me in that way. It was like, oh, if I like playing it, I like playing it. I don't need the next best one. I'm the same way with like the iPhone, though. I don't go out and get the newest one every time there is one.
4: I don't need the new iPhone, but the video game systems didn't back then support the old systems, so they stopped making Nintendo games almost immediately after I bought the Nintendo. Oh, so you so, couldn't get
0: new games. Right.
4: So then you got to buy the, the Super NES, and like because most of what I play are sports games, and those rosters change all the time. If you wanted to play with the guys that you were watching every. Every Sunday, you know, if you're playing Tech Bowl and you right, want to that's be the Raiders, true. like so true. that's that's now it, like you know it's uh,
0: easier is if you're just the athlete yourself, and then there's always games to play.
4: Yeah, well, you know, some people will transition from a future WNBA <laughs> career to being Olympians. Some right. of us it's, worry about our thumbs, like and that's PS5. like. You know. Uh, yeah, by the, the way,
0: speaking of your PS5 and your two plus hours waiting for it, we asked people if there's anything that was a pain in the ass from the childhood that they kind of missed because your waiting today reminded you of waiting on Ticketmaster phone calls for tickets. Uh, we got some funny ones. I think one of my favorites is a uh, regular listener at Jeff Norman 90 who said, I miss going to the library to do my own research. Uh, it was. <laughs> it was a good place to do research, the library. You know, read a book every once in a while. You know, mix in a book every once in a while. Aaron Rodgers wants us all to. Um, mm-hmm. Mad Loya says, Scheduling TV shows. Everyone watched the same show at the same time and then talked about it. No spoiler alerts, but also no pause the show so I can get a drink. That is so true. I mean, mm-hmm. you, like I was just thinking about that the other day. I was thinking about The OC for some reason, and I was like, I really had to be home for The OC, or else I missed some mad drama. Like you couldn't just. It was pre. I mean, we had a VCR for most of it. You could tape a lot of those, but you got You had to watch most things live. Um, at Monsters Inc. Asking your mom to get off the phone because you got to chat with your friends on AOL Instant Messenger and then she does. And then the dial takes 17 and a half minutes to connect. Uh, yeah, I think we a, again, all remember quick,
4: that. <laughs> not, not, not me, because remember, that didn't even exist when I was in high school. Like AOL what? wasn't a thing when I was in AIM high school.
0: AIM what? what? You're not that old.
4: Yeah, no, the, there was no. The first time I was ever in, uh, on the Internet, I was already graduated from high school.
0: No, because I was in AIM chat rooms when I was like in sixth grade.
4: Well, I, I when I, uh, I I did not uh, have a computer in home to
0: Vegas. <laughs> I actually
4: typed my senior papers on a typewriter in high school. Oh my like we didn't have God. a comp- we couldn't afford Fitz, a computer. you're not so, that old. It was 95. Like 95 the computers were not affordable. We did, my my school didn't even have a computer lab. Like uh, we, we I did not go to what? a particularly oh, okay. like
0: I guess yeah. Nice. We had school. we had computers from like when I was really young and we had the same it was like a duck or a goose that taught you how to type. Mm, no. if, hit me up in the menchies if you remember what i'm talking about there was some sort of animal woman that was like the standard for learning how to type on the computer um i also like the person who said uh stratomatic cards and dice you had to keep scoring a notebook to do all your own stats for um like baseball the original fantasy baseball um blockbuster it's friday night your homework's done Mama's in a good mood. She's taking you, and all the good games and movies are gone.
4: Oh, (laughs) man. I used to. Someone said
0: that. Someone said that to going to Blockbuster and not being able to rent the movie that you wanted, but you still survived.
4: I used to stand, like, I'd walk through Blockbuster for a solid two hours just looking for the right movie. Like, <laughs> as, as as a young adult, like, living in Nashville when I first moved there, that would be like my, well, I got nothing going on. I'll just go to Blockbuster. Two hours later, I come out with a movie I've never heard of. I'm like, this looks good. Really? Because, like, yeah. see, we oh, would
0: yeah. do the thing where we would get the same movies over and over. We would, every single police academy I've seen probably ten times, oh, God, uh, yeah. look who's talking mm. over and over again. Uh... Do you remember the movie I think it was called Toy Soldiers? It had like very young Sean Astin and Brendan Fraser oh, and like yeah, yeah, yeah. a bunch of that. rich kids were at a boarding school and it got taken over by terrorists. We watched uh-huh. that one over and over and over again. Um Big. I've seen Big 180 times. I would uh, always would just just read walk the, the, the aisles ones.
4: and like I'd, I'd read every box and be like, eh, huh. Uh, and then, no, much like worry. I am now, like I'll go through Netflix for like an hour and then be like, "Yeah, there's nothing here. I'm done. I'm gonna go watch The Practical Jokers again." Like I'm the
0: worst. Uh, someone said waiting in line for a midnight showing of a movie to get a good seat. I didn't realize that that's not a thing anymore. People don't wait in line and camp out for like Star Wars or whatever.
4: No, because you your seats are pre-assigned now. You go into the app and you buy your seats in advance, so it's all, oh, that's all fair. already done. Yeah.
0: Wait, so those people that were waiting weren't even buying. They were buying tickets. They were buying tickets and then they wanted to get a good seat.
4: Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't that long ago that nothing was assigned in theaters, you know. So like, yeah. you you had to wait to try and get a seat. You were hopefully get a ticket, and then you had to fight everybody to try and get in first. Now, you know, you go to the app, you reserve the tickets, you scan your phone when you walk in, and you already Buy know exactly where you are sitting. Three
0: glasses of wine in advance. Yeah. Oh <laughs> so yeah. Brought to your seat. Uh, this one I do not have any nostalgia for. The thrill of getting a roll of film developed. What mm. pictures are on it? You know, do you have red eye? Do you are your eyes closed? Like. It, it is funny to remember but that was brutal when you'd be like no that was the only picture i have of me and michael jordan and charles oakley's finger is in the corner that is an actual specific example but you know what i'm talking about like oh, i much God, prefer yeah. being able to look at it and be like no you guys look like trash let's take another
4: i realize that sometimes when it comes to the dogs because like winnie and samantha were just old enough that i didn't have a smartphone when when i adopted them when i got them and they were little so I have so few pictures because your you dogs would have are to 20 fizz- years old. Well, no. When Winnie and Sam passed, they were 16 ish. Yeah. So, yeah. Right around there. Yeah. I'm old, Sarah. Remember, no, I'm you're to be- not
0: old. You're a late adapter. I well. I had a smartphone my like sophomore year in college.
4: I mean, I I, I didn't. I, I didn't <laughs> get an iPhone that, that early. I mean, I don't remember when I did, but. I remember but my earliest memories of cell phones from the early 2000s were the ones that you had to wait till nights and weekends to make calls on like so. <laughs> oh I, my You were yeah. such
0: a grandpa. I know. I just,
4: and there's a, there's a weird gap. Like I'm writing that right. I'm going to be 45 <laughs> in a couple of months. Like I'm writing that, that. Yeah. Ooh, it's real. That's real. <laughs> Tune in tomorrow oh. night for college basketball action. Virginia hosts Duke. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. <laughs> Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. I won't have to watch that game, though, because I'll just play it on the PlayStation. I won't have yeah, it. Yeah, there way, you go.
0: I'm just wondering what you're going to be like when you're actually old. Oh, like There are God. people who are like young at heart. You're the opposite. You sound like you were raised in the 1940s.